other person, Veronica Tyler Christie, mostly V. And here with me today is my lovely roommate, uh, Brian Mina. Fuck! Uh, <laughs> Mina Capelli. There you go. Brian yeah. Mina Capelli. It's easier than it sounds, it's more phonetic than it sounds. Yeah, no, I read it and I was like, okay, this is easy. And then I went, nope, I'm just going to trip over my teeth. Um, <laughs> so. As the listeners may know, like right now, uh, the Bay Area is kind of enduring a little bit of a uh, quarantine, shelter-in-place mm. uh, phenomenon going on right now. So everyone's encouraged to stay indoors unless they need to go out and get essential items. Um, but this gives me some time to interview anybody I want. <laughs> I went um, out and got an essential item today. You saw it when you walked in, that uh, giant bottle of whiskey <laughs> yes to keep us nice and warm <laughs> and to run away from our problems yeah. <laughs> is all the alcohol so uh brian i actually a few times on my own instagram i actually reposted a lot of your videos because brian has a nice um side hustle that he wants it to become his main hustle which is uh he does knife throwing yes uh knife and axe throwing and uh, a little bit of archery as well yeah it's kind of Something I've been doing through my Instagram, which is, uh, for all interested parties, suburban underscore ninja 888. So, suburban ninja 888, but there's, you got to put the underscore in there for Instagram. Uh, and on that Instagram account, you can get in touch with me. You can watch videos of me and some of my friends and people that I've trained how to throw, doing different uh, throwing exercises, different throwing tricks. Uh, I myself have been throwing for more than 15 years, probably, uh, just as like a hobby and then kind of more of a frequent recreational thing I started to do and pass on to others. Uh, and then as kind of as Suburban Ninja through Instagram, I've been offering lessons uh, where I'll invite people over, sometimes Instagram strangers that are just within reasonable driving distance. <laughs> And sometimes local people, word of mouth, who I meet them in public, and I say, "Hey, follow me," and then they reach out to me and they say, "Hey, I'd like, I'd like to learn. This would be really cool." Or uh, I've even had two cases of uh, uh, people buying a gift certificate from me as like uh, lessons to offer as a gift for someone. Uh, both times was wives for husbands, uh, people that I kind of met around town, and she's like, "Oh no, my husband would love this." No, that's uh, awesome. I know I've done knife throwing with you a few times just in the backyard, just very casual. Yeah. Um, and I think I've only, I've done the axe throwing once, but I was only able to, like, get it into the wood, like, once, after my many, many attempts. Yeah. <laughs> the technique it's, is a lot harder than it looks. It's interesting because <laughs> the, uh, the, the places that you can go to throw, there are quite a few of them. I think they're they're all over uh, America. There's over 250 locations, um, as to my knowledge, anyway. So there's one in pretty much every major city. They're all pretty dedicated to axe throwing over knife throwing. Okay. Some offer both, but most are doing just axe throwing. And I think that's for the reasons being that the axes are a little more controlled in when they hit and don't stick. Mm -hmm. If they hit and bounce, they tend to fall straight down to the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, a knife, just like one solid piece of metal, has more of a springy quality. And it can bounce back if thrown you know, too aggressively, not with the right technique. Can bounce back. Never bounces back with more than I'd say like one-fifth of the speed that you throw it with. It loses a ton of energy. So it never comes back so fast and so far that you can't easily, calmly step out of its way. You have plenty of time to see it coming. Mm -hmm. um, I've even uh, caught a couple of bounce backs just oh. because I'm confident I know where, I know where <laughs> the tip of the knife is going to be. Yeah. Throwing knives generally don't have a sharp cutting edge. You're imagining, you know, people listening or visualizing, you know, like a kitchen knife, and I'm, I'm whipping this thing around. Um, <laughs> right. I have these specialized <laughs> throwing knives that are, uh, uh, some are mass-produced by various companies, some are custom-made, uh, and some of the custom-made ones are my favorites. And these are all engineered and shaped and designed to be good thrown projectiles, and they have... Uh, nice pointy tips. I wouldn't want to be in front of one when one was coming at me. 
but they don't have like a sharp cutting edge. You couldn't cut a carrot with it like you could a, a traditional knife, you know? Yeah, so. only, only to stab, not to cut. Yes, they're, they're <laughs> pokers, not slicers, yeah. You can't, you can't even, you could barely even open a box with one, you know, like it, it'd be tough. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one of the things with the, the difference between the two is where your axes have like a very heavy head and then a wooden handle, it loses a lot of that energy and just drops to the ground. Your knives can bounce back a little bit, so I think they're just a little bit less accepted as like an appropriate recreational thing to do. Yeah. Uh, especially because the majority of places offer either uh, their very own alcohol beverage service, usually limited to beer and wine, I'm mm -hmm. not positive, uh, or they're usually like built into an establishment that can offer drinks. There's food trucks or there's like, you know, a beer garden nearby. Yeah. So a lot of times you got people, you know, sipping on beers and throwing axes and, uh, I feel yeah. like that's the very, very uh, appropriate way to get like a nice big old pint of beer and then yeah. throw some knives. It sounds very Nordic. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it is. Yeah, you're right on that. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, you know, it does throw people for a loop a little bit when you talk about, um, we're going to have some drinks and we're going to throw axes. <laughs> or very, very at, yes. the, at least we're going to just play with weapons, you know, like mm -hmm. let's not even get that specific. You know, people are not terribly comfortable with that with that premise, um, but the uh, the reality of it is that of all the places that are doing this, and they've been doing it for I'd say close to you know I think the first one started more in the uh, Canada area, okay. uh, probably close to ten years ago, and then they've been bleeding down into the U.S. and now there's one in almost every major city. I know there's several in California. There's Vegas and Colorado and uh, I know you have that, the name uh, of these places just in case if anyone's curious yeah so um, you can go to Axe Ventures in Berkeley mm -hmm. um, you can actually throw axes at the Winchester Mystery House as like just kind of like a pay a few bucks and throw a few throws they have a little oh. target set up there nice um, like in Las Vegas there's a place called Axe Hole how, <laughs> how, how clever right yeah nice and I believe Axe Hole does it all Axe Hole <laughs> has like throwing uh, they have a smash room, I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure, where like mm -hmm. you, you take your aggression out on things, break stuff up, you know, with a bat, mm -hmm. and wear goggles, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they allow you to throw knives, they allow you to throw Im other implements, it's Vegas, you know, you get nuts there, you get ninja stars. You get ninja stars, yeah. sometimes they you'll get, see stars by the end of the night. They get ninja, yeah. <laughs> so you're actually, like, you're not really part of an establishment, you're doing all of this independently, so... I am doing let's, it. Let's talk about how you started to kind of build that up. Sure, yeah, um... I started just as a dumb teenager watching movies, people throwing knives, thought it was super cool. Mm -hmm. I think the first the first thing that ever really got me to be like, oh my god, I, I must do this, I must learn to do this, is, uh, do you remember the movie Starship Troopers? No. Cheesy sci-fi movie from 1995, probably? I don't, I don't remember. Um, excellent movie, because it is, it's kind of one of those intentionally cheesy, like tongue-in-cheek type things where the the scenes are hyper violent and over the top and like the dialogue is super cornball mm -hmm. um it's great great movie great stupid movie yeah like um love it and there's a scene in which these they're like you know future soldiers fighting crazy bug alien insects and in boot camp they've got them throwing knives and in this scene watching this scene as an adult and as someone who throws i can i can tell you that all the actors and all the people in this scene are for real doing it. They got them all to learn how to do it, and they're doing the proper oh, technique. Nice. Yeah, <clears throat> they're doing military half spin, which is when you hold it from what would be considered the blade or the tip, like facing down, mm -hmm. uh, and you whip it toward your target, and it just does a half spin. You mm -hmm. know. So if we're talking about like hand on a clock, mm -hmm. um, the tip of the knife facing the three o'clock, mm -hmm. you throw it overhead and then it goes from the three o'clock position back to the twelve o'clock and then back to the nine o'clock and the nine o'clock is when it sticks ah. so I'm trying to like trying to help you visualize like okay. from left to or from right to left leaving mm -hmm. your body you know mm -hmm. uh, boom just one turn on the clock yeah yeah um, I so, see a lot of that in like slow-mo yes like I've seen I I feel like what the thing the thing that just popped up in my head was like Scarlett Johansson playing Black Widow. Maybe at some point she did throw a knife, but I've seen like in action movies where it's like slow mo. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. Uh, like in some movies they'll th they'll have it spinning multiple times, end over end over end over end, and mm -hmm. sticking, and that's really difficult to do to get it to stick straight because it's going to 
drop as it right. travels. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to whip it up and arc it end over end over end to get it to, to do that. It would have to be like a, a you know, like a, mm-hmm. an arc. Um, to, to really throw a knife real straight, you have to be within a good, you know, I would say maximum 10 meters. Like some of the best out there can do like a good 10 meter, like pretty straight throw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so in Starship Troopers, they're doing that <laughs> half spin technique. And uh, the one guy who's like a big jerk can't quite make it work. And he's like, you know what? Uh, this this is stupid, Sarge. Why do we even have to learn how to do this when we really can just kill the enemy by pushing a button? And Sergeant, he's like, cease, cease fire. And he he's like, uh, Private, put your hand on that wall. And he's like, what? And he's like, put your hand on that wall. <laughs> and he pulls a knife from the target, one of the, that's stuck in the target. And, he, and the guy puts his hand up against the wall, mm-hmm. and he flips it into he flips it up in the air, and he catches it from the blade tip, and he throws it, and he, it's a perfect throw. He goes, darts it right into his hand. Oh my god! Stab, impales his hand against the wall, and he goes, "Your enemy cannot push that button if you disable his hand." <laughs> Medic, like he calls for the, you know calls for the medical attention, yeah, and and that scene was hilarious to me as like a you know thirteen year old, but. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just totally, I was like, I must learn to throw. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was really what first got me into it. And I would just practice on whatever I could with like a pocket knife into a pizza box or something, like little folding mm-hmm. knives. Like I ruined so many pocket knives because <laughs> a, a knife with a hinge is going to get gradually totally ruined if you're oh, throwing yeah. it around. Yeah. So yeah, I ruined a bunch of those, learning how, and uh, through my... Uh, through my Instagram is where I just decided, you know what, I'm going to consider myself like a small business. And I'm just going to try to see if I can get people to pay me to do this because I've already just been meeting people around town and like, oh, what are you you doing right now? I don't know, nothing. Let's hang out. Okay, you ever thrown a knife? You know, like, and, and, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, so that's how I was doing it initially. I'm sure always that answer is no. Yeah. Oh, it's all, (laughs) it is uh, a very, very often no. Yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, that's kind of how it, it took off. And, and now, like, you know, I work in a restaurant, and so mm-hmm. uh, I am talking to guests at my tables or guests at the bar top sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, there are a few people uh, around town who, who follow me and who, who know me and, like, they're regulars at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it's happened a couple of times where, uh, you know, someone at the, at the restaurant will bring it up to me. They'll be like, how's the knife throwing going? You know, and I'll be like, oh, and I'll be chatting with them about it. And someone two seats down at the bar goes, what are you talking about? And, and then I, <laughs> yes. and I, and I, and I happen to mention to them, I'm like, well, you know what, if you ever want to learn how sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you know, if you go to like a throwing range, mm-hmm. you can rent a lane and throw for an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get like five to ten minutes of like a brief coaching and instruction at the beginning. And then you, and you start your time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it ranges anywhere from like Forty to sixty bucks an hour to rent a lane. Yeah. Um, so I just decided to call it uh, fifty bucks an hour, with a cap of two hours. So if you're really having a kick-ass time, mm-hmm. I'm not going to charge you after two hours. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it takes like, just from my experience, like I haven't paid you yet, but someday I will. I'm not going to charge you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, I, you know, I'm throwing, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is, like, I feel like I'm, like, vulnerable, right? Because I'm like, oh, I can't do it. But, like, how you encourage everybody, like, no, 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 try it like this. And then make sure you try it like this. And then also, like, what I really like is that you don't intimidate anybody by just throwing at the wooden, like, slices that you have on the fence. You say, okay, well, try it like this on this box first. And yeah. then, like, do a couple of practice rounds with my smaller knives, and then once you get a handle that, I'll give you the bigger knives. Yeah. And I'll try it with the wood. That's so, that's one of the best ways to learn the mechanics of how the knife mm-hmm. throws. And, like, you can, when you're kind of close to it, and it's this soft cardboard targets, these tiny knives, there's no there's no intimidation. You just give it a little whip, and once it sticks in, your your brain is kind of watching it rotate and you're like oh and mm-hmm. it's like that's kind of how you learn it you know yeah yeah no and you're like a great teacher like you're always encouraging like you're always joking around like you make people feel good so yeah anybody who's listening if you're local in the area just just hit, hit your boy up mm-hmm. um but yeah tell me more like so i also noticed that as you try to get this into like a business like you noticed that you brought your friends over all the time which again like with having friends come over they there's like a second degree of like 
oh, I know, I know a guy who does this, right? How did you get your setup in the backyard? Like, I'll probably take pictures and post it later. Sure. Um, but, like, how uh, did you get your setup, and how did you figure that out? It originally was I would see a stump. I would see a nice mm-hmm. cut log section on the side of the road somewhere, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, oh, my God, jackpot. <laughs> and I would take it. And that would happen a few times until I had this collection of, like, four pretty significant log chunks. Mm -hmm. They were all, you know, three feet at least in diameter and, like, you know, a foot or more thick. Mm -hmm. And I had two large rounds and then two even larger rounds, so two at the bottom next to each other, uh, uh like you know two circles right next to each other and then one circle atop that Mm -hmm. and that one conveniently had like a little flat section so a third one on top of that or Mm -hmm. a fourth i should say (laughs) not helpful for anyone just listening no trust me there will be pictures so that way you guys can see what's going on so basically i had basically i had logs stacked onto logs precariously balanced they could fall over at any moment Mm -hmm. uh you have to gently wiggle the knife out, not yank the knife out hard. You have to, like, you know... Yeah. Yeah, otherwise you pull the whole thing down. <laughs> and uh, and a piece of plywood behind that so as not to damage the fence. Mm-hmm. And I eventually saw what the appropriate competition setup should look like, mm-hmm. which is, I think, um, it's 60-inch bullseye, so, like, 60 inches high, 50-inch high bullseye, and then 60-inch high bullseye. So, like, within a four-foot-wide space, give or take, mm-hmm. you would have log round, and then just below that next to it, log round, and then back where the other one is next to it. So, one, two, three, two at 60 inches, one at 50, just below it. Mm-hmm. And so you throw one, two, three, from left to right on each target, one throw per target. Okay. And that was the basic competition setup. Okay. And so I decided that's what I wanted for my throwing. Uh, I was, my knives were bouncing off of each other all the time, hitting each other, and mm-hmm. they were getting damaged, and, you know, that happens, but more targets I have to hit, mm-hmm. the less that will happen. Mm-hmm. So I rented a chainsaw. <laughs> and I buzzed all of those logs right down the middle and turned all of my, they had been eaten up pretty badly on, like, the front and back, because mm-hmm. I flipped them both. So I split them down the middle, and I made a fresh face on every one of them. Nice. Because they were all still pretty thick. Yeah. And then I took those fresh faces and mounted them the way I described, so now that turned into six eye-level targets, where it was like, you know, four at uh, 60-inch mm-hmm. and two at 50-inch. Okay. And so that made it so there were two throwing lanes next to each other. Mm-hmm. I marked out the distances for competition distance, which is starting at two meters, three, four, five, six meters. Okay. And that's uh, those are the those are the established kind of targets and throwing lanes that I have set up right now. Yeah, no, it looks like a pretty good setup, especially since like you just found them. And it's all in your backyard, so mm-hmm. you're still able to practice without having to go to another site to do your thing. Um, sweet. So. What else do you think is important for people to know about, like, your, your hustle? <laughs> I, yeah, so throwing the axes is definitely a bit simpler. Oh, yeah, 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 please talk about that, yes. Yeah, throwing the axes is a bit simpler than throwing the knives. Uh, knives is very technique heavy, and there are several techniques on how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I was describing half spin held by the tip or the blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's full spin where you hold by the handle traditionally and it'll do as you know one or two or maybe even three full spins full rotations to arrive at it at its target uh, and that's generally what you see more of in movies and stuff is they hold it from the handle and then they, they, they whip it and it just flips a few times mm-hmm. uh, there is a technique called no spin which is extremely complicated mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna hold it from the handle and you let it kind of slide off the index finger and dart out of your hand so that it doesn't actually do any rotations. It kind of just hinges out of your hand and flies straight. Oh, wow. And you actually see that a lot in movies as well. You see that a lot in uh, uh, ninja-type settings with, like, 
where it's like anime and cartoons where they make one swipe motion and then like two or three uh, daggers fly just straight out of their hands, straight like bullets. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can be done. That's a that's a technique that exists. I don't know about throwing multiples and having them hit different targets like you see in like your Naruto type stuff, but mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you definitely can throw it without it spinning. You can let it dart straight out of your hand. Okay. Uh, there's I some... wasn't sure if there was, that was just like fiction or not because I've seen I've seen like a lot of like you know like Naruto like you said like with going back to knives like knives would go, just go straight right mm-hmm. or whatever I think it's called a, a not a shuriken but like a little kunai. Kunai um, is what it's called. Yeah, and then so it goes straight, and then same thing with axe throwing. Like, I've seen him like God of War, where yeah, he brings back his axe and it's like it spins, but there's I think there is one option where like he does toss it, but you don't see a lot of like turning. I think. Yeah. Yeah. For axes to stick, um, some can be you can throw an axe and it'll fly kind of straight, and just depending on what the shape of the axe head is, mm-hmm. you can stick it. I've seen it done. Mm-hmm. Um, but traditionally, when you throw an axe, it's always going to tumble. It's always mm-hmm. going to flip, like, end over end. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, an axe is heavy. An axe is generally close to, like, 15 inches long. Mm-hmm. So you can cover a good distance. You can cover probably four meters or so with one full rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can tighten up that rotation. You can do it probably as close as three to two meters. Sweet. Um, without, it, without increasing the amount of rotations. And then when you throw from further away, you just add rotations. Okay. So I've, I've found that with axes, it's far more about, like, how close you stand and just giving it a good whip. And then uh, with the knives, it's way more technique heavy. It's way more how you hold it, how you release it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, kind of dependent on that. Nice, nice. Yeah. So um, I noticed, like, that you kind of made a bunch of references to, like, you know, just, like, anime. And I made a couple references about, like, movies and, uh, and like, video games. But... I also realize that you're like huge into comic books. That's so, very true. Yeah, if you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, oh yeah, if you want to go down the yeah, rabbit hole. Do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, on our uh, uh, quarantine experience right now, I decided to bring down some resources for you girls. Uh, when I say girls, <laughs> we have another roommate here too. And so um, I uh, have a couple of, of really good titles that I brought down that I thought you might be able to check out. Um, one of which right now is a, is a Netflix show uh, called Lock and Key. Mm-hmm. L-O-C-K-E and Key. Good Netflix show. Uh, very enjoyable. Far superior comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, you know, I get that they can't always... Well, actually, I shouldn't say always because they never. They never do, like, perfectly reproduce a comic book into a movie or whatever adaptation. They yeah. always have to take some liberties. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be some stuff that just makes sense when you're looking at a still image that's so meticulously drawn mm-hmm. uh, versus when you're trying to translate that into like a live action event without narration you know and like yeah. so it's like I get the the, tra- the transitioning of mediums and why they can't always stick to wh- what the original material is in a comic book mm-hmm. uh, but I will go out and say that uh, the Lock and Key comic book series is one of the better graphic novel experiences I've, I've had and uh, the source material is extremely unique, uh, and the, they did a good job turning it into a show. But I wish they could have honored a little bit more of mm-hmm. the, <coughs> excuse me, of the original source material. Would have been a, would have been preferable to me. But of course, I'm a, I'm a purist. I'm one of those nerds that's like, hey, why'd you ruin what I like? I just wanted to just see. I just wanted to see what I like brought to life. You know, I didn't want to see it messed with. But uh, in all fairness, it's it's a good show. It's a very enjoyable show. Mm-hmm. Basically, it is. Uh, I'm going to give you the comic book synopsis. Good. <laughs> Pot- potential spoilers, also potential spoilers. I'm not going to get crazy, but uh, so your three main characters, two high school age brother and sister, and then the third sibling, uh, nine or ten year old. Uh, their father is the guidance counselor at their school. And very rapidly, over the course of the first few pages of the book, you learn that uh, Father is murdered by one of the students from his school. Mm-hmm. So, like, a fellow student of his children and, and someone he's given counseling to. And after this very high-profile murder, 
the families, the surviving members of the family, their decision is, and that's mom and the children, their decision is to move back east to their deceased father's childhood home. Uh, they, they were living out here in the Bay Area. And so they go back to his childhood home, which is like this crazy Victorian-era mansion. Mm-hmm. And uh, while trying to adapt to their new lives and lay low, the youngest sibling... Uh, he's the one who first starts to discover the keys, mm-hmm. hence the lock and key. They are the lock family, L-O-C-K-E, and then keys. Uh, the youngest sibling starts to find the first of the keys. These are magical keys that give the wielder of the key a, a specific power relative to how the key was built and, 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 uh, and what door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically... Some good examples are the first key found by Bodhi, the youngest sibling, is called the ghost key. And when you put the ghost key into the ghost door, it's a door with like a matching symbol on it. Mm-hmm. You walk through that door and your spirit leaves your body. You astral project. So your body drops down to the ground and you can look down at your dead body and you can fly around. And you can also think, you know, focus on your friends or enemies and you can go and view them in real time. Mm. So... Uh, it's a useful information gathering tool and then you can also uh, trade bodies potentially if two people go through it at once you have two Mm -hmm. loose spirits they can choose to enter the opposite body that's crazy yeah so there's another key where if you put it level um, have you seen that show Sense8 uh, you know what? It's been recommended to me. I've not watched it, though. You should check it out. Yeah, it, it was really good. I've got good. some time on yeah, my hands. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, <laughs> so there's another key uh, There's another key called the Anywhere Key, which is much more literal. And uh, you put it into any door, mm-hmm. and you think about a place you want to go that can be anywhere as mm-hmm. long as you have seen it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've seen a picture of, the, of like, it there, mm-hmm. or if you've you know, been there personally, you can open up a door to there. Instantly. Uh, there's a key to change your gender. Oh. There is a key to uh, become a giant. <laughs> there is a key... Is there the opposite key where you can turn mini? <laughs> no, not, 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 there isn't. But there's, there's no a new, Ant-Man key. <laughs> there's a new story, there's a new storyline supposedly that they're writing for Lock and Key, so who knows what they're going to get okay. into. No, um, <laughs> ah, so one of the more powerful keys is called the head key. Okay. And the head key you put into the back of your own head and you unlock the top of your skull and it'll allow yourself or others to look in and see your Thoughtscape, like what your what the inside of your oh, psyche looks like. Dangerous. Yes, and and in looking in there, you can add or remove knowledge slash memories. So if someone had a traumatic experience, you can search through their head for whatever the manifestation of that experience is and find its representation and pluck it out and pop it in a jar and bury it in the yard, and that person will not remember that trauma. Crazy. You can also take a calculus book and shove it in their head and they'll be able to do complex math. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot. (laughs) Yes, how cool is that, How many rolls are with this key? How many people try to steal it? (laughs) Yeah, so that's one of the, like, so there are some keys that are kind of silly and there are some keys that are extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this has like a fantastical Harry Potter feeling to it-ish, mm-hmm. you know, magical mansion with magical keys, mm-hmm. but it's very dark, it's very adult, it's very harsh, you know, mm-hmm. um, some, you know, some some interesting social commentaries, some intense violence, mm-hmm. uh, some adult themes, yeah. definitely, uh, and it is written by uh, Joe Hill, mm-hmm. who is a pretty well-known suspense writer, he's actually the son of Stephen King. Shut up. So he's like a, you know, what do you call a legacy? Yeah. He's a legacy horror writer. You know? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Now I actually want to dive yeah. into this because I loved, I mean, everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows a pet sanctuary. Pet um, cemetery. A cemetery, excuse me. Thank uh-huh, you. Uh-huh. Everyone knows it except for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like the stand and uh, there was, um, what was it? It was like a quick TV show. It was like Rose. Uh, Rose Red. Rose Red, yeah. I mean, he's still out there doing stuff now. Um, HBO just had a show of his. Did you see The Outsider? No, not yet. It's great. Good. It's very good. It is a... 
it's Jason Bateman is like the lead, or so you would think. No spoilers on this one, mm-hmm. but um, it's basically he is wholesome little league coach, you know, like uh, teacher, you know, like he's well known in the community and everyone likes him and he has kids. Nice. And right in the middle of coaching a little league game, he is aggressively arrested publicly and humiliated for the murder of a small child. And they're like, we've got your DNA all over the crime scene. We have multiple witnesses that say they saw you there. And he's like, that can't be possible. The day of that murder, I was 60 miles away attending a conference, and they find video footage of him attending that conference asking a question. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how is this guy's DNA all over this crime scene when he was physically, he couldn't have been there? Mm -hmm. You know, and so this is, and this is a Stephen King it's called mm-hmm. The Outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably like a 10 or, or 12 episode show. Uh, you know, begins and ends. It's not like going to be an ongoing thing, it doesn't seem. Right, um, right. But it's like an evil doppelganger kind of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... Stephen King always has ways to kind of just reel you in on, like... There's always, like, some type of, like, mystery, like... His stuff can be very formulaic. Yeah. yeah. It can be very formulaic, but it's usually pretty enjoyable, I find. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's creepy well maybe i say creepy because like pennywise the clown was like the one thing that scared me as a kid so it's really cool to hear that his son is like carrying on that whole like you said legacy with like creating more suspense novels uh joe hill had a show recently on amc called nosferatu did you do you remember them promoting that at all know of the monster Nosferatu, but I didn't know about that. So this was um, a play on that. Like, I mean, Nosferatu is like the old ancient vampire or whatever. Yeah. And so this is a car license plate. And it says N-O-S, the number four, the letter A, the number two, Nosferatu. Mm -hmm. And the show was called that, I think. Yeah, that's what it was called. Uh... Right? Yeah, man, now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> but basically, it's a really strange premise. The show was pretty good, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't read the book that it was based on, but the show was, like, all right. Um, and it's like, there is a dude with an evil car. It's a Rolls-Royce Wraith, mm-hmm. old-school, like, limo, like, crazy wagon-looking limo car. Mm-hmm. And he dressed, he dresses like a chauffeur. And he abducts children and mm-hmm. transports them to this uh, uh, imaginary land. Oh my god! And he keeps them trapped there. Uh, and he you and like the car helps him trans the the evil car helps him transport them to this realm. And while they're trapped there, he can live forever. He can drain their life force and live forever. So he's like this evil, creepy chauffeur, mm-hmm. and he's always transitioning between different ages. Sometimes he's a frail old man, sometimes he's like a young, handsome man. Oh, so you just never know. He's played by Zachary Kinto from Heroes. Remember that old yeah. show, Heroes? Yeah, I know yeah. that guy. Yeah. He was Spock. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so um, and so it's basically like he... Uh, there are people out there that have a, an ability to like bring things from their imagination to reality, and they can use it like for different powers they can transport themselves places and they can transport other people places Mm -hmm. and like this guy has the power to do that and with his evil car he abducts children and drains their life force and the main character the main character is like a teenage girl who has the same power as him but she doesn't use it to drain people's life force she can use it to like transport herself instantly to places of importance that she feels like are like She's trying to solve the disappearance of her young friend who's been taken by the monster car guy. Mm-hmm. It sounds so stupid when I'm explaining it. And like I said, the show's like, okay, you know. No, it's uh, fine. But it's just, yet, it's just yet another Joe Hill thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Lock and Key is, is, for me, one of the best things around uh, in mm-hmm. its graphic novel form. Uh, the illustrator, Gabriel Rodriguez, just crushes it. Like, it's just really, really impressive stuff. No, like, I, I want to now dive into it, because, like, you, you talked must. about it before, and I, I actually want to read it. Now that you have it downstairs, I'm excited. Just, uh, I think book three has some really good um, sequences in it, in which I was, like, too aggressive turning pages and stuff, so book three is, like, falling apart. <laughs> You're like, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, 
No, that's awesome. Like, thank you for, like, you know, sharing that with me, and I will definitely dive into it. And anybody who's listening, um, you know, you should look into maybe getting this book. There's local comic book shops like, you know, the Art Boutique that might have it in stock. Or um, Hopefully they'll be open again soon. I know, I know. I doubt they're open. I know. When it gets open. Yeah. Ugh, it's so frustrating. Amazon, Amazon Prime, some books, people. I know. What are your thoughts behind this whole... Now, I mean... It's only like how many times we get to talk about this in a lifetime, but what are your I thoughts know. behind this this shutdown? I mean, I'm stressed out. I'm not terribly concerned for my health. I'm generally pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, my throat's a little scratchy right now because I took a couple of bong hits earlier. And, uh, <laughs> uh, also, just, you needed to calm yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, um, and also just like have been talking a lot more, you know, like mm-hmm. was talking with you earlier, was talking on the phone with people, so my voice is a little scratchy right now, and I'm not really thinking that I'm getting sick, you know, like yeah. I feel fine, but um, yeah, not concerned for my health, but concerned for the health of others that I know. I know a couple of people that have like compromised immune systems, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I'm concerned for, uh, you know, my parents are older, you know, they're and neither of them are, they're not together, they're in different areas, and, you know, they have, you know, different, you know, spouses, and, mm-hmm. you know, different concerns, you know, but, like, they're still, you know, on my mind, you know, uh, uh, I have, um, and I have my livelihood to think about, you know, like, I, I work in the restaurant industry, I, I serve tables, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm shut down until April 7th is what the word is, mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that to be the end of the shutdown, you know, like, oh my God, oh, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm stressed out for my livelihood because I'm, yeah, not yeah. not looking so hot. Yeah. No, I'm hoping that just in general, like luckily we can still like travel a little bit, get what we need and come back, but it, it feels a little bit like a dead zone. It feels like what's next. You know. Well, we are at like the yeah exactly. We're at like the grade of uh, 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 the the designation of where we're at right now with the shelter in place is mm-hmm. like just before it's effectively like you could be cited for being outside. You know, like yeah, yeah. like I think that um, I think right now what I've heard is that in San Francisco where it's like the city's very dense and where they're having a lot of problems with people moving around a lot, like. Mm-hmm. Um, they have enacted uh, uh, checkpoints mm-hmm. where it's like they're going to stop you if you're trying to travel into and out of certain areas mm-hmm. and they're going to say what's your purpose for, for doing this and if you're not on like a supply run and I'm not sure how you're supposed to prove this mm-hmm. or if you're not like trying to visit family or something like that like, or like get to like check on someone's welfare then you could be uh, ticketed Yeah, is what I've, what I've been hearing yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I've heard I've heard, I don't think it's with our, with our county, but I've heard in other places where it's like, if you're caught outside, you are, you could be arrested for committing homicide. And I say quote unquote, yeah, I saw an article, like it was a headline, but that's what the extreme was. Because if you're going outside, that means you're risking yourself, which with risking yourself, it's either that you're contracting it or making the virus travel around. That's what I read. Um, but wow, that's, I didn't that see seems, the source for it That yet. seems really extreme considering this isn't like a lethal disease. I know it's definitely threatening to, I, I, like I strained when I said that because like, mm-hmm. oh fuck, I'm like knock on wood, like, but yeah. It just adds more complications to yeah, anybody yeah, who it's, it's, is it's, compromised. Yeah, I can understand if there's, you know, like, um, like literally a fatal disease in the streets, but um, mm-hmm. this is, and, and like, and yeah, again, I'm sounding like an idiot because I'm not an expert in any kind of subject. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not anything, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, no offense to anyone whose life is m- more threatened by this than mine. I don't mean to be taking it lightly, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think <sighs> I'm just stressed. Yeah, I'm very stressed about the whole scenario. I'm of the opinion, uh, I'm of the... Uh, I'm of the optimistic outlook, I should say, mm-hmm. that, you know, things escalated pretty rapidly in two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I think it was because people knew what was going on, but people were just like, well, whatever, I don't feel sick. Mm-hmm. And just kept coming to restaurants and doing their things. Mm-hmm. And I think now that it's reached the point almost everywhere of like, hey, 
knock that off. We're closing down your businesses. Yeah. I think now that it's reached that point, I'm hoping, <laughs> hoping that it will also take maybe a relatively equal amount of time to scale back down, mm -hmm. you know, in the, th in the three weeks or so it took to jump off. Yeah. Maybe it'll come back down in three weeks to a month. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. One can, one can dream. Do you have any favorite conspiracy theories on this? <laughs> uh, I say I say that because I'm sure you probably saw some things. You're like, no, 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 that's bogus. <laughs> so what I what I've heard, um, what I haven't heard any of the drastic conspiracy theories, but what I did listen to a podcast uh, in which the, the, they were speaking with an epidemiologist, and he was saying that um, he was saying that uh, all over parts of Asia and and that entire hemisphere there are these very unregulated outdoor markets in mm -hmm. which you know you can find chicken you can so you can find like poultry and you know uh, fish and mm -hmm. red meat and live rodents and all kinds of things and like exotic proteins you can't find other places and they're all kept together Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's no regulation on, like, you've got live things and dead things right next to each other. Right. Yeah, and, like, one thing he uh, talked about in specific is he said, he's, he said, I've seen these in person multiple times. He's like, you go to these outdoor markets, and you've got them, they've got live ferrets in cages. Mm -hmm. They've got live chickens in cages. Mm -hmm. These cages are sometimes stacked on top of each other, if not right near each other. Mm -hmm. So you've got... Birds, known carriers of diseases in mm -hmm. bad conditions around their own feces uh, next to ferrets and rodents, mm -hmm. which are not only also known carriers of disease, but also creatures within which diseases tend to mutate and move right. to new move to new grounds. Yeah. Um, so he was saying that it's because of decades of practices like that 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 have led to, um, you know, decades of us dealing with things like, hey, it's SARS. Do you remember SARS? Mm -hmm. And then, and then it was bird flu, and then swine flu, mm -hmm. and then you know, little things here and there. You know, mm -hmm. um, the Zika, Zika virus, or like Zika, I don't know. Ebola. Yeah, you know, and I think Ebola was around before. You know, Ebola's been around a long time. It's been like a mm -hmm. thing that people have been concerned about for decades and decades. But um, and again, also uh, speaking as an absolute layman, like I'm, I've, I know nothing about what I'm talking about right now. This is just. <laughs> No, it's fine. These are like impressions that we're get, we're gathering from yeah. all of the stuff that's going on. Because, yeah. I mean, like you said, you're not a professional in the field, however, but you are a person experiencing what is happening now. Yeah, and, so. and a person just listening to, you know, resources, trying to figure out what pe professionals' opinions are, and then me mm -hmm. regurgitating those opinions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, with what's really good is like with finding factual in information or close to factual information. Um, it gives us a sense of comfort of like what's going on um, because this is an anxious time of right now like we can't do what we're supposed to do right mm -hmm. like I can't mm -hmm. go out to my band rehearsals while my band rehearsals are canceled like you can't go to work um, so it's one of those things like okay I need a justifiable reason what the fuck is going on yeah um, so yeah um, yeah I did the dumb thing last night I watched like two episodes of Pandemic on oh, so God, I'm freaking no. myself out. So I need to stop, but I'm I did it anyway. No. <laughs> no, I'm not watching that show. But I was just curious to know what other places were going through, and they really highlighted. They highlighted uh, some parts of China. They highlighted India, and they highlighted. Um, I think they highlight. Oh, they highlighted this guy who's just kind of like a traveler of worlds. Like you can tell, like he's a man of medicine, but he's also a man of like I just need to get as much insight as possible. Just kind of like the medicine version of Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, so, anywho, um, and then they also focused on the U.S. as well. So, it was just, like, one of those things, I'm like, okay, so if this documentary is out, I'm curious to know how they approach this, and they do talk to professional, like, bio doctors and whatnot. So, but yeah, not many times in our lifetime that we get to talk about this, so. Yeah, it's definitely the first time in my 34 years of, uh, that if this has ever been a topic of conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it just really sucks. I mean, like, I'm, uh, I was potentially arranging some public, uh, some public events to try to gain more interest in throwing. Mm -hmm. I had some potential collaborators that are like, you know, people that have event spaces, uh, in the downtown San Jose area 
that wanted to work with me in setting up like promoting a local axe throwing league mm -hmm. and uh i mean that is just suspended indefinitely now you yeah. know like i mean like even if things turn around in a couple weeks no one's gonna really want to talk about going on a new business venture for quite a bit yeah 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 um I, I know several people in the Bay Area right now who have opened businesses in the last, like, less than a year, and now they're having to shut their doors, and it's like, so, like, um, there's a great place, I'm gonna give, yeah, if I'm giving publicity, you know, like, to mm -hmm. anybody, you know, like, when we open back up, go to these places, because they're so amazing. Paper Plane in downtown San Jose, everyone knows it well if you've been out there. Um, excellent, well-thought-out craft cocktails really clever um you know presentations really good drinks uh owned by a friend of mine named george uh and george also uh great great food at paper plane mm -hmm. the crack wings mm -hmm. are everything as good as they sound yeah. like they are literally dipped in in something that makes you feel like you're on crack <laughs> and yes. yeah they're fantastic um yeah so paper plane is a fantastic establishment that had to shut its doors Paper Plane's been around for a few years, but George, owner of Paper Plane, did very recently open a new place called Mini Boss. Mm -hmm. Mini Boss is an excellent 90s themed arcade bar. Also, with some of the same food offerings that can be found at Paper Plane, but also some different excellent dishes as well. Yeah. And then they've got a whole completely different set of very well thought out craft cocktails uh, that are all kind of 90s video gamed or movie themed. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, uh, Mini Boss has been open for less than a year now, and, and they're having to do this. Uh, the yoga studio that I work part-time at in town here, Yoga Source Los Gatos, mm -hmm. they just two months ago at the max opened mm -hmm. a new studio in Morgan Hill that has closed its doors, you know, temporarily. Mm -hmm. um, and I hurt for them too, I mean, definitely they're a big local company they've been a f around for a while they've probably got some money to keep themselves afloat for a bit but it's still i'm, I'm hurting for them too you know yeah. and then uh finally a very close friend of mine who was over last night uh you know playing street fighter with me mm -hmm. um my friend jason uh is an internationally recognized and awarded bartender like he has competed been the united states representative in like the world's finals multiple times for like bartender of the year and you know different spirit companies will throw different competitions and give away awards and stuff and this guy just has been crushing it you know for like a decade in the bar industry in the bay area and traveling and competing and he opened jack rose and jack rose ran with his cocktail program for like he opened and worked there for like four or five years and then when he left they ran with his cocktail program for years after until they closed their doors mm -hmm. um so yeah, Jason with a really impressive resume. Uh, he worked with me for a couple of years at my restaurant, uh, Nick's Next Door in Los Gatos. Mm -hmm. And he transitioned to his newest business venture just in, yeah, six months ago, just six, yeah. six eight months ago um, is when we opened the doors for, for what we were calling Los Gatos Soda Works, mm -hmm. which was uh, Jason's list of well thought out craft cocktails yeah. I'm going to say that phrase again yeah. because uh, Jason you know has a, a totally different you know skill set and, and palette and so he has a bunch of really clever cocktails that are you know they all have their own unique vessel mm -hmm. you know like he gets special you know um, you know glassware and, and cool quirky little disco ball cups and stuff like that and uh, his drinks are very balanced and creative and you know, if, if you want something strong, he knows how to make a real spirit-forward drink. And mm -hmm. if you want something, uh, if you want something that masks the alcohol but doesn't taste sweet, you know, mm -hmm. like he like he's an expert at pinpointing, you know. Yeah. And so yes, for a true chemist, he is a chemist. Yeah, and like, and it's <laughs> like, and I'm glad you didn't say mixologist because like yeah. some some people hate that term, and I'm one of them, and so is he. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's straight up chemistry. Like, yeah, you're able to take away and not do the standard I'm just gonna dump a bunch of coke and a and whiskey together like it, yeah. it, it takes us that's an art form it's like making lattes right so I'm I'm concerned for my livelihood I want to get back to work I want to get back to my routine um, and I'm just 
I'm stressed and depressed, you know, and like, yeah. uh, but I can only imagine what my poor friend Jason is going through. Jason just got married last year, and you know, him and his wife poured their nest egg into this business, you yeah. know, and like, oh man. So yeah, my 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 heart goes out to people that have it worse or more difficult than me, but I'm also throwing myself a pity party too, man. I gotta, yeah. I gotta look out for number one. Yeah, no, this is very true. Like, I think we all like think about like we gotta make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, but also there there is the solidarity of empathizing with everybody else of what they're going through as well. So. Um, so just getting into closing uh, notes of this episode, uh, again, can you just kind of reiterate who you are and yeah, yeah. Like, let everybody know what your plugs are? Yeah, I'm Brian Minicapelli, 15-year uh, knife-throwing and archery and axe-throwing veteran. That's right. Yeah. Boost yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you are able to travel in the next few days before they totally restrict it, you can hit me up. <laughs> Uh, suburban underscore ninja eight 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 on Instagram, and through that you can contact me. I respond quickly, uh, and I'll teach you how to throw some knives and axes. Uh, special uh, coronavirus discount rates apply. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll be keeping appropriate social distances. You know, like I got Clorox wipes. You know, yeah. Or if you want to just, you know, check out my page and follow me, I'd appreciate that too. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. So, he yeah. He has a lot of great content on there. It's really good. Yeah, I, uh, I throw stuff at stuff, and uh, I occasionally throw stuff in the air and then hit it with a knife and pin it to the wall. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's cool too. So, yeah, again, I'm suburban underscore ninja 888 on Instagram, Brian Minicapelli. All right, guys, that concludes our episode for uh, Don't Cast and Drive. Again, this is your host, Sometimes V. If you guys have any questions or are interested in doing an interview, you could always uh, email me at don'tcastindrive at gmail.com. Or if you have any questions or comments about this uh, whole podcast series in itself, you could, again, email me at don'tcastindrive at gmail.com. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Stay healthy. Yes. And have a wonderful week. Thank <laughs> you.